0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 460 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our
0: sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Sparkle and Boom, and you, our auditors. Our fascinating guest this week takes us back in time with Stories of the Old West as we are joined by Dr. History. That's right, Dr. History is with us today. Plus, our Horselovers.com product of the week is the Weaver Eva Sport Foam Woven Top Felt Bottom Pad. Listen in.
1: You're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show, where hosts Glenn and Helena guide you through some of the horse world's most fascinating stories. Owning and loving horses means there's always a story to tell. It may be funny, exciting, or inspiring, but it will almost always be fascinating. Join us for The Scoop each week as we tap into the stories that are woven into everything we do, at the barn, at home, and everywhere in between.
0: This is Glenda Geek, back from vacation!
1: And this is Helena B., who never went on vacation, (laughs) and you're listening to The Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. Welcome back, Glenn, you traveling fool.
0: I know. It's so much fun. You know, the nice part about taking a cruise is you don't have to switch hotels, but you get to go to different places. So, you know, you just have the same room the whole time you're going to different places, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's
1: like being home. Like it's like picking, it's like your house traveling with exactly.
0: you. Exactly, it's exactly like that. And and you kind of look at it as home by the seventh night. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's uh, it kind of feels that way. Yeah, you know, we had a great time uh, on on the cruise. We went on Royal Caribbean out of Port Canaveral, which is only a two hour drive from us, and it's all highway right to the port. So that was nice. And we did Royal Caribbean Oasis of the Seas, which is the second largest ship in the world. Mm. Now. Royal Caribbean also owns the largest ship in the world, which is one foot longer. Oh, That's okay, the only so you difference. Were up there. Yeah, so okay, it's the only difference. It. So basically, there it is the largest ship in the world. It uh, there were sixty four hundred guests on our cruise, uh, and twenty one hundred staff. So there's twenty one hundred employees on this boat. So there's a total of almost nine thousand people. Uh, and it is enormous. I mean, it, we were getting lost till like the fifth day. <laughs> uh, every time we went someplace, we'd have to look at the map, which they have everywhere because people get lost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we we did splurge and got... I would get lost. <laughs> yeah, we did splurge and got a uh, ca- uh, a balcony cabin this time, which we'd never done before, and that was nice. And for a long cruise like this, it's nice to be able to open your door, hear the ocean at night especially. We left it open all night, so we'd hear the ocean. and <laughs> And then... In the morning, we had breakfast uh, delivered to the room every morning, and we had breakfast on the balcony every morning, which was we never went out for breakfast. We just we just did it on the balcony, and it was that was lovely. That was really nice. We really enjoyed that. Um, I'm
1: I'm getting a little dreamy as I'm listening to you. It tell me. was
0: just, and we never. I mean, you eat because you get all the food you want so they have buffets going all the time and then we went to formal we went to the main dining room every night there were two of the nights it was formal it was kind of nice to get dressed up again I mean how many opportunities you have more opportunities than Jennifer and I do uh, but we got, you know, dressed up and we dressed up almost every night we went down and you don't have to, people don't. I
1: love the getting dressed up part. Yeah. It makes you feel special and Especially fancy. when
0: you're like us. If I worked in an office every day and I put a tie on every day, it wouldn't be as nice, right? It would be kind of like, oh, I got to do that again. But I don't. And you don't. And it's like, well, when you do get to get dressed up, it's kind of fun.
1: It's wicked fun.
0: Yeah. So it was neat seeing everybody all dressed up that you saw by the pool, you know, in their bathing suits all day. It was kind of neat. And it was funny when a ship of 6,000 people, I did keep running into the same people all the time, partly because they're in your, on your floor or in your corridor or wherever. But there are certain people when you're in a group that stand out to you for whatever reason. You know,
1: well, you're probably also frequenting the same spaces on the ship that you like. Right. So you, if you have something in common, you know, if let's just say for example, you you like the, the casinos casino. and they like the casinos, you're gonna <laughs> I keep knew you were gonna say them. that. <laughs> well, that's just an easy one, you know, like the pool. <laughs> Certain somebody I I heard, like the jacuzzi. Yeah,
0: I did. I hit those. You every know, day.
1: Mr. Luxury yeah. over there, living large.
0: <laughs> well, it was <laughs> funny because one of the things, and this is the reason we took a cruise this time, it's been the first one in like 25 years, probably. Um, it, w- it forces you to relax. There's no other vacation that forces you to relax like a cruise because basically you're cut off from the world. So when you get on the boat, you had no choice. <laughs> you relax. And I relaxed from the minute we walked on the boat. Jennifer took a day. She was kind of hyped up for a day and didn't sleep well the first night. But then after that, we were both in, I, I hate to say it, but we didn't think about any of you people at Horse Radio Network. We were we were we were definitely enjoying life and, and we needed that. It was really a brain break.
1: Well uh, you sent me a picture.
0: Yes.
1: You had to. You had to gloat a little. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that wasn't a horse radio network moment. That was if I had a little sister and I needed to gloat moment. <laughs> yes. That was exactly. more like it. You're it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer also went crazy. Uh we went to Labadee, which is the It's in Haiti, but it's a private island for Royal Caribbean, so it's really nice. You know, it's the beaches are beautiful, and they have zip lines and, you know, all this stuff you can do. And we we had a blast. We never sit at the beach. We're just not good at spending four hours sitting on the beach watching life go by. Uh, We have never done that, Ever. In in our in our thirty years of marriage, we have never done that, and we spent almost six hours on the beach. <laughs> it was just so beautiful. Mm. But she got her hair braided. Yes, they had uh, a lot of Haitian women there were braiding hair, you know, in the really tight braids.
1: Yeah, and, cornrows.
0: Well, I'm going to. Uh, I'll use that as my picture of the week. I think. <laughs> So
1: oh, you'll find good! Well, it looked super cute on her. It did.
0: She was really cute with her hair all braided. Now, four days later, she's ripped them out because she said her hair was get, her head was getting too itchy. So <laughs> <laughs> now her hair stands straight out, all curly. But it was for Jennifer. That was stepping out. I bet you, you were surprised.
1: I was very surprised. Yeah, I was very surprised. That's really I have to dig up, up a picture of... I had mine done in, in St. Kitts a few years ago. And uh, Buck thought it was really cute, but I couldn't stand it. It was so tight on my head. I was, like, <laughs> ripping my hair out.
0: Now, you, it's interesting about Caribbean islands because we did St. Martin. And you, you travel there every year, pretty much, for your vacation to Caribbean islands. To the
1: Caribbean, yep. Yeah, we but pick you're a different island each time. Yeah, but you smaller
0: islands than probably... Puerto Rico, or, you know, uh, we were on St. Martin, which is 26 miles around if you take the road, which we did in a bus. I, we were very disappointed, and pretty much everybody we talked to did not like St. Martin.
1: Uh, I've not been to St. Martin. I have not. Uh, St. Martin is U.S. territory.
0: No, and it, it is, is half French and half Netherlands.
1: Oh, right. St. Thomas is us. Yes. Yeah. St. Martin is half French and have, um, you know, Buck has been to St. Martin. Um, he was not terribly impressed either, but you know what we find in, um, we do go to the smaller islands. We go down to the, I always get, I always get confused if it's the lesser Antilles or the greater Antilles, basically the Southern, more of the Southern islands. You're Although below we have Puerto been, Rico. Yes. Okay. Yes. Although we have been to the Bahamas. Um, but you know what? We, we usually stay in like a little house. We don't go to any of the resorts or anything. So we do get out there. Um, we, we rent a car, we go grocery shopping. So we kind of live like locals for, uh, for the time that we're there. It, it, there's a lot of poverty. There is a lot of poverty. There's just no two ways about it. And you know, when you go off the beaten path, when you're visiting some of these islands, you're going to see that poverty. Uh, you know, you, it's just, that's how it is. That's, that's how it goes. You know what? They don't have winter there. So, you know, so for example, we drove around St. Kitts and there there were these houses, little concrete houses that had no windows. They had holes cut into the concrete and the doors were open and people were just sort of sitting in the streets. But don't forget, they they don't really need to button up their houses because there's no winter.
0: Well, and I think some are safer than others. Like we did get warnings going to St. Martin. You don't want to go here. You don't want to go there. You know, there were I think some are safer than others, too.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And it also depends on, you know, who the governing, um, what the governing organization is. So we find that those that are British aligned or British um, governed islands tend to be more like Great Britain, you know. Um, But then, you know, then St. Kitts, which had its own government, was wonderful. I I don't know. It
0: depends on the island, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, We're going to the British Virgin Islands for the first time this, in July and um, we're flying into St. Thomas, and then it's a quick ferry over to Tortola. So we're going to compare that to our previous experiences and see what it's like.
0: There you go. We did stop in Puerto Rico, too. We like Puerto Rico. We'd go back to Puerto Rico. There was I've a-
1: heard great things about Puerto Rico. Yeah,
0: you know it's American. So, I mean, they all speak Spanish. It, it is weird being in an American country that feels very American, mm-hmm. but everybody's speaking Spanish. <laughs> That's kind of strange. Although it's getting less and less strange around the country all the time.
2: But well,
1: I'm intrigued by that the Spanish history, you know. So yes. Puerto Rico seems to have preserved the, that Spanish history. Some of the other Caribbean islands, you know, the French fought with the English for it, and then they fought the Spanish, right. and then the Dutch came in. So there's well, there was a lot of strife. A lot and of that's St. Martin. Strife. It's half
0: French, half Dutch because they were fighting all the time and they finally decided to stop fighting and divide it in half. You know? Right. So right. you know but
1: Puerto Rico's kind of like you know, they came, they saw, they conquered, they settled, and now it's this sort of content little U.S. territory. I, I I'd like to go.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I would definitely go back. We'd go back there and stay in a resort on vacation, and then tour some more. We didn't get to do, do a lot of touring there because we were in uh, San Juan, and okay. Old San Juan. Old San Juan. If you've been to the French Quarter in New Orleans, that's what Old San Juan's like. Mm. It looks like it. It, it The one thing we noticed, it looks like it, it feels like it, with all the shops and bars and restaurants and stuff. The one thing it didn't have was a smell. Uh, it did not smell as bad as uh, New Orleans French Quarter does.
1: Oh, God, I can imagine. That's New Orleans, like, sour beer.
0: Oh, it, it, that's what it smells like. Plus, it's lower and it's wet and, you know, it's just yeah. got all that. And this didn't didn't have that. So that was kind of cool. But, yeah, definitely we could have spent a couple of days at lavadie Haiti, which was their private island. They could have just skipped St. Martin. Everybody I'd talked to on the boat said they wished they would spend a couple days there because it was paradise. And then oh. a lot of the Haitians came over and work there. They work at this island and uh, how they get there, I don't know because it's all just mountains. I don't even know how they get there. Um, the only thing that's interesting, I don't know if you find this too, because you're not going to touristy places necessarily when you go down, is they are a very aggressive. When they have their stand selling stuff, they are very aggressive. And there was about 100 of these stands lined up in Haiti, and you could not walk through there without, without being mugged, with them trying to get you, over, doing everything they can to get you over to their stands, including standing in your way. Um, so that was kind of the most uncomfortable part of that whole experience, but then we just learned to avoid him. <laughs> but uh, it was interesting. that and, and what was interesting is they had a couple of places selling the same stuff, that were controlled by the ship and very orderly and stuff. Those places were packed and nobody was at the stands with the aggressive people. Huh? So you think they'd learn, you know, after all this time, you think that they would, some marketing sense would kick in and they would say, yeah. Hey, look, if we're not so aggressive, they'll come shop."
1: There's uh, gotta be somebody who's buying it though.
0: I guess. You so know? they wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. We didn't see it that day. That's for sure. Hmm. Uh, but it was interesting that way too, and then the food. You know, every cruise is like that. And I'm looking forward because horse lovers cruise is our next one. We're going to be going. With, it's going to be so much fun to go with friends. It was just Jennifer and I, which is great, and we like each other's company. But being with a whole group of people is even going to be more fun. So, uh, and Royal Caribbean was terrific. We didn't really have any trouble with Royal Caribbean. Our servers were both from China, uh, and uh, they were terrific. You get the same servers every night at dinner. Mm-hmm. And they get to know you. So by the time we got there every night, they knew what we liked, and they'd already have appetizers out, or they'd put extra stuff on the table. They knew which rolls you liked. They knew they just knew what drinks you liked. Oh, how so they nice. were waiting. The drinks would be waiting at the table when you get there. Um, the uh, they made these melon soups, cold melon soups that were out of this world. I've never had anything like it. It's like a smoothie almost. Um, but they would serve them as a part of an appetizer, well, I liked them so much first two nights. she had a cold me- a different cold melon soup for me every night when I arrived was just waiting.
1: Wow, so, oh wow, what service
0: yeah, oh yeah it's just like it 's like being in Downton Abbey and going down for dinner every night. I kind of got mm-hmm. used to that, and now I want to cook uh, so like, I 't like for a chef. <laughs> Dude, we, we did get to do the galley everywhere. tour for everybody that's ever worked in a restaurant you you've worked in restaurants didn't you
1: never nope. no never
0: nope you're one of the very few so if you've ever worked in a restaurant you know that they can get kind of dirty and you know if you worked in a restaurant like i did for four years you know what it gets like back we did. I
1: didn't know you worked in a restaurant yeah, i
0: started out as a dishwasher and ended up as short order cook for four years
1: get out that was my first jobs yep how did I not know this? Oh so
0: when God. we go back to their restaurants, there are 20 restaurant or 20 kitchens and I meant the kitchens. When you go back to the kitchens and you see that they, you know, they're spotless. <laughs> I mean just spotless and you even peek in the doors at the kitchens, it's just spotless and they have 20 kitchens on board. Um, just incredible kitchens and there's 260 people that work in the kitchens every day uh, to put out that amount of food. They'll put That's out 220,000 wow. meals in a week.
1: 220,000 meals in a meals. week. Yep. <laughs> Good Lord.
0: <laughs> in a week. So it's quite an operation and, and you know everything is just a system and they just have the systems down. Uh And, you know, it's incredible, the systems they have. And to think they load all that food in. I posted a picture. I don't know if you saw the picture of the amount of food that's served every week of each thing. No, I didn't. I'll I have to post that, that uh, again because it, it's just unbelievable, the amount of stuff that they serve every week. Uh, it's tons. It's just tons of everything. And they, they bring all that in in six hours. They turn that ship around, and it's back out in six hours. Yeah, just... <sighs> You know, logistically, I would love to see the logistics behind it sometime because it just must be incredible. But that's enough about cruising. We hope to see you all. If you want to join us on our next cruise, go to horselovers.com. We've had about 55, 60 people sign up now. So wow. we hope that you join us. Uh, some of the hosts are going, and uh, Leslie from Horse Nation is doing the pub crawl in in Key West. So drinking is uh, prevalent on a boat. I learned that's a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that goes on. Uh, so if you like alcohol, you're going to be in the right place. There, this particular ship had tw- 31 bars, 21 restaurants. Oh my god! <laughs> Everywhere you went, there was a bar. So. Wow,
1: that's a floating city right there. That is is. a floating city. It
0: truly is. So, yeah, we hope to see all of you. Uh, we're leading February 12th out of Miami on another Royal Caribbean ship uh, that's smaller than this one. And it's a four, four-nighter, so a little bit shorter that you can get off and find a babysitter for the horses and come hang out with some horse people. We came up with a couple of really good games for the game show on the cruise that we're going to do. The Horse Lovers Game Show, we came up with a couple of good games that we're going to do. So we, we just added to the fun level.
1: <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Booze, food, fun, and horse people. What were you doing? Trying to sell your house. (laughs) I know. I was trying to sell my house. Sell my damn house. (laughs) I. That's not an easy process. It is so not easy. You know, it's like, oh, can we have somebody come by in an hour? You're like, what? An hour? Well, they're coming in from out of town, you know, and then you Things go quiet, so you kind of get a little lax, and you know the bathroom gets a little messy, and the laundry gets a little backed That's up. The worst so then you part is
0: having to keep it clean twenty four hours oh, a day.
1: It's it's really stressful. And then as I was saying just before we started to tape, the birds in my barn have been the worst this year that they have ever been in eight years. I. Like they're just, there's bird poop everywhere. The barn swallows moved out a few years ago and this year, every single swallow, (laughs) no, not swallow, every single sparrow
0: has decided
1: to take up residence and they are messy little birds.
0: Are you out there with so, scrub brushes? Or
1: oh my God. Hanging CDs to keep them away. I don't know. Like I got to get an air horn something. So it's really, yeah, it's hard to I have a teenager. Thankfully, my husband is a dreamboat. In fact, he cleaned most of the house yesterday for, for us. What a love bug he is. But, uh, so that freed me up to go and take care of the barn. Cause my tack room is a mess. It's just, you know, it's a hell show. So, uh, and then they're like, Oh, do you mind if the potential, the, the, the real estate agent calls them quote unquote, hopeful buyers.
0: <laughs> Everybody's a hopeful buyer, right? We're
1: showing a hopeful <laughs> buyer today. And I'm like, my little Italian temper is swearing under my breath with the hopeful <laughs> buyer bull Marky. So they're like, do you mind if the hopeful buyer leaves their car at your house? So their real estate agent can take them around town and show them other properties No, I'm not okay. Let's buy this one. (laughs) You you idiot. (laughs) So you know, so how how do I actually respond? I say, I'm not really a fan of that plan. (laughs) That's like that's the nice way. The the real way, I you know, involves a lot of bleepity bleep 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 bleep, bleep more bleep. Jeez.
0: (laughs) And then it's bittersweet because you know you don't really want to sell. You want to live in your house forever. I mean, it's just. We were the same way when we sold our big farm. It was the same thing. It's just yeah. bittersweet
1: it's uh it's okay. I mean we really we don't mind leaving as long as we get you know if we we get a fair price for the house, we hope that we can find something um really all we're looking for is about three acres. The, so we can keep the horses on it, but it's really hard because inventory is practically non-existent here and land is very rare, very scarce in the Northeast. So it's expensive, you know, and we don't have a million dollar budget. We have a very modest budget and we're looking for a needle in a haystack. So can keep we looking, leave this? House? The
0: needle will yeah. fall into your lap.
1: Exactly. The universe will take care of yep. us. We can't get, you can't get crazy about it, but anyway, so we're good. Just a little stressful.
0: Well, if you want to help Helena out, she has a company called Sparkle and Boom. Perfect transition. Thank you, Helena. She has a company (laughs) called Sparkle and Boom. We're going to hear a little bit about that. And then we're coming to our fascinating guest for this week. His name is Dr. History. Uh, His actual name is Ken Turner. We're going to learn more about him and what he does in just a few minutes. Well, hi, Dr. Ken Turner, Dr. History. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for the invitation. I
3: I appreciate your uh, interest in what I do.
0: Well, you know what, it's always fun to talk to another podcaster, especially one that's been around doing it for for as long as you have. Now, let's first talk a little bit about you. It says you're a doctor. What are you a doctor of? Well,
3: I'm a chiropractor. I retired three years ago and uh, just been able to travel and see my kids and grandkids and uh, so just enjoying retirement, really.
0: Well, how, okay, so you're a chiropractor that's interested in Old West and history.
3: How did that come about? Well, I've always enjoyed history, especially the old cowboys and Indians. And uh, it's just been uh, a fun thing. But right here where I live in southern Idaho, we have, in fact, in my backyard, uh, behind my house, I have a pasture that the Oregon Trail went through. So I live right on the Oregon Trail. Oh, cool. Now, there's also other trails like the California Trail that run through here and a place called the City of Rocks. There's another place called Massacre Rocks where... Uh, Oregon Trail-bound uh, people were uh, attacked and killed by Indians. And uh, anyway, I, it's just a, kind of a historical area that I live in as far as the Old West. So I actually had a relative here years ago. And we kind of drove through this area. And I felt a little embarrassed because I couldn't tell him more about it. So at that point, I started doing some research. I actually made a tape or a CD, a travel CD that you can travel through our county here, and it tells about the Indian battles, the uh, uh, stage holdups, the different things that happened, and they just turn it off and on as they drive uh, through the county here. Oh, that's very cool. Uh,
0: I want to talk to you a little bit about the Oregon Trail. There are still people that do that, right,
3: for the adventure? What is
1: the Oregon oh, Trail? You're... I don't – I'm a city girl. Okay. I have no idea what it is. Let's it, talk to and, about what it, it is. But it sounds like it's probably exciting.
3: Okay, the Oregon Trail basically was the main route that the people headed to Oregon or California. And it traveled up uh, from Missouri up through into uh, Wyoming, over into Idaho, uh, down past Southern Idaho, and for Oregon on up into Oregon, the Willamette Valley. But here in Cashew County, there was a place where the Oregon Trail split to the California Trail. And this was kind of a difficult time for some people because you know they'd been spending the last uh, two and a half months or so with all these people, and at this point you had to decide: are we going to California or are we going to Oregon? Now, the story is told about one family that they couldn't decide which way to go, so they turned their oxen loose and just let the oxen decide which way they went, and they turned left and went to California. <laughs> so, but you know, the California Trail really, in some places, is kind of a narrow spot, but in other places, the California Trail is as wide as a mile wide. Because as people uh, came along, they had to have grass and feed for the horses and oxen. So in some places they spread out quite a ways. So it's not just one trail necessarily.
1: Okay. Wow. And, and is, it, is it marked like along the way so that if you just happen to accidentally be on or near the Oregon Trail, you know that you're touching on an historic uh, path? What would you even call it? Like, you know, there's National Historic Register of Places, there's monuments, there's parks. Is, is the trail registered?
3: It should be. The California Trail and Oregon Trails, uh, in a lot of places there are markers that we'll show you uh, because a lot of the highways run, you know, fairly close to uh, where the actual trails used to go. Yeah, yeah. So usually you can find usually you can find uh, historic uh, markers and one thing or another to where the trails went. That's so cool.
1: Do people go out with like metal detectors and look for like uh, (laughs) artifacts? Did you find anything?
3: You know, by now, not much. Uh, Over the years, yeah, horseshoes and uh, parts of wagons, things like that uh, were found. And uh, at this point, you know, you're not supposed to keep them or collect them like arrowheads, things like that. So now there's not a lot left of it. But uh, anyway, yeah, it, it runs all the way through. And, you know, it's a Kind of a sad thing in some ways because as you're going along the Oregon Trail, uh, a lot of the women had maybe one dress for the whole 2,400 miles, maybe two. But a lot of them walked the whole distance. Uh, some rode, um, and when you think about having babies or illnesses or injuries, you know they didn't stop the whole wagon train just because you had a baby. <laughs> so uh, you know you'd better be ready to go when they when they get ready to go. I just listened
0: to your I, latest podcast, Wagon, it's ironic that you're talking about that, called Wagon Train Women. And right. these were yeah. some tough women. We think the, we think the horse oh. girls of today are tough. I'm sorry, Helena. Oh, yeah. These girls have you beat.
1: <laughs> you know, no, I had no doubt about it. No doubt. Having a baby oh, that, on the go in the back of a wagon.
3: <laughs> right. Yep. Well, and then the other thing, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them died. I mean, sometimes kids, sometimes husbands, wives. So yes. the trail is also described as a uh, a long trail of buried people. And, you know, but that was just part of the whole thing, you know. Snake bite, Indians, accidents, uh, burns. There's all kinds of things that could uh, take a person's life.
0: Not to mention yep. you were going yeah. over mountains and through some of very rough country.
3: Oh, yeah. It was... Uh, in fact, uh, in Wyoming, uh, it's notorious for wind, and I've heard stories of uh, tents and wagons being just ripped to shreds from the severe sandstorm windstorms. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty rough. That's something. Well,
0: now, okay, we got off on a tangent there on the Oregon Trail. but I, So you do a podcast called Dr. History, and it's actually you do a segment on, uh, on a radio show, and then you break it off as its own podcast uh, that people can find any place you get podcasts. And, and, and uh, now that I've listened to a couple of them on your website, I've downloaded it, I have it ready to listen to, because it was just absolutely fascinating. Where do you come up with the stories
3: that you want to talk about, and how do you research them? You know, over the years, I have collected magazine articles, newspaper articles. I've got a stack of magazines of Frontier Times from 1962 and 1970,
1: and they have a lot of
3: good stories. And every time I go to a bookstore, I look for old books and history books. I've got books and books and magazines, and I just go through and find what I think I like. And if it interests me, then I, I hope it interests the listeners. Oh, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I've got a few stories, if you want me sure. to tell a couple of stories. OK, uh, I'll just tell you a couple. this may give some of the listeners a, an idea of what we what I talk about and see if they're interested. Uh, there, there's one story I kind of like. It uh, actually happened just about 20 miles south of me. Uh, there's a little town called Oakley, Idaho. And during Prohibition, uh, the sheriff and the judge, they would co- uh, confiscate the illegal liquor and alcohol and they would store it in the bank vault. And after they were done with it, they would just destroy the evidence. So one winter evening, they decided it was time to uh, destroy the evidence. So they took a few cases of liquor out in the alley and it was, there was snow on the ground and it was snowing just a nice, pleasant evening. And they started opening up these bottles of liquor and pouring it in the snow. And pretty soon a few people started watching. And then a few more people started walking, watching and pretty soon a little crowd gathered and watching this whole event. And Pretty soon they started making snowballs. Now the difference is these snowballs were not thrown; they were eaten. <laughs> this is the original. This is the original snow cone. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a note says that a good time was had by all. I bet. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that's just kind of a sample of some of the stories that uh, that I tell on the on the podcast.
0: The um, Tevis Cup was taken after—was that a Pony Express route? That was a route of some sort uh, back in the Old West,
3: too. Uh, which one? I didn't hear the that. The
0: Tevis Cup, the, the, the endurance ride?
3: Oh, okay. That's yeah, so, I'm not really familiar with
0: that. Yeah, that was one that was uh, no. what was taken uh, at that time too. Now you cover everything from from outlaws to bank robbers to stagecoaches. I mean, a little bit of everything. I, I, you know, I I actually went back and listened to a little bit about you have Custer's first stand. You have cattle drives uh, in there, and I listened a little bit about cattle drives and what they were like. This is all the time that. You you can't even imagine what it was like to live back then. I can't imagine what it was like well, to live back then not having a shower. That's the part. Um,
3: <laughs> that's, well, oh. and when you talk about the cattle drives, you know, here's here's some tough cowboys that pretty much wore the same clothes for about three or four months. Oh, <laughs> so by the end of the trail, you know, by the end of the trail, they're, uh, they're looking for a new set of clothes. And uh, in fact, one of the more interesting things on the trail, you know, when they would come to a river, sometimes there would be quicksand. Now, and in the, the, the odd thing is sometimes there have been two or three cattle herds go through with no quicksand, but then you might get there and there's quicksand. And so what they would do, they'd get the whole herd across and usually there'd be maybe 15 or 20 cows out there stuck in the sand, quicksand. So what they would do is they would actually get off their horses, they'd go by the cow, and they would Pull the sand away from the horse's leg as fast as they could. Tie the the or the cow. Tie the cow's leg up, then the other leg, then the back legs, then the tail. They'd actually tie it up. Then they would put a rope around the cow's head and just kind of b- pull him right out of the quicksand. So, uh, in fact, the story is told about one cow that they were doing this to, and that cow would not budge. He would not come. And they had about four guys on horses trying to pull this cow out. Finally, they took the chuck wagon, uh, hooked it up with a rope. And they finally, with the chuck wagon and four mules and five horses, they pulled this cow out of the quicksand. The trouble is, when they got him out, they found out that one of the legs had come down and was still back out in the river. Oh, jeez! <laughs> so, they had, they had, so they, So they had fresh steak that night for dinner. <laughs> I I
0: was uh, the one story you did a long time ago. This is back in 2014 about Wyatt Earp, and yeah, you know everybody kind of knows the story of the g- gunfight at the OK Corral. But that was kind of the story of the rest of the story of Wyatt Earp and what happened to him after. Um, right, you know, in his later years and his de- business ventures that went south, and you know he was
3: kind of a sad case the whole time. <laughs> Just, you know, he really was. And you look at. I mean, there's almost, the thing I found with history is there are always stories that people will question. In fact, there's a story I tell about what is called the Alamo Creek Massacre. Now that just happened about 15 miles from where I live. And there was a wagon train of about 300 people, 50 wagons that were attacked and many of them killed. And yet there wasn't hardly anything written about it in the newspapers. And so I've had people say, no, that never happened. And yet I've talked to enough people and read enough things that I believe that it did happen. Uh, Unfortunately, we rely on other people's knowledge of a story. You know, when I can get a journal or a diary of a cowboy or a person, then I feel like I've got a reliable source for my stories.
0: Yeah, that's the hardest part, too, because a lot of this wasn't written down, especially in the West. So. It, right, it exactly. is just become folklore after all these years. It's finding the the truth about it all that's the hardest part.
3: Right, and uh, I've got another little story if you'd like to hear it. That, sure. Uh, there's a, a story about a little uh, cowboy by the name of Little Joe, uh, and this was in 1863, and this is over here in Idaho. And uh, Little Joe was kind of a strange guy, uh, kind of odd, kind of had a high pitched voice, and But Little Joe was a good cowboy with a rifle, a lariat, a six-shooter. And he actually tried plaster mining, but he gave up and decided to do a little ranching and and homestead, had a few chickens and pigs and some cattle. And, you know, Little Joe didn't hang around with the saloon crowd and kind of avoided social activities. But but Little Joe uh, did a lot of reading by uh, Lantern Light, and he didn't care too much for his personal appearance. Uh, Clothes were usually too big. His boots didn't fit all that good. But Little Joe was a hard worker. And he took on any and all jobs. He wrangled sheep. He drove cattle, broke horses, actually served on a jury. Well, winter of 1903 was a severe winter. Came early, uh, record low temperatures. Some cattle actually froze while standing. And I've actually heard stories of cowboys on horses where the horse actually froze to death while they were sitting on the horse. Oh, God. But anyway, uh, yeah. So anyway, it was December and little Joe attempted Thought, well, he's going to move his cattle up to the Boise area. Uh, it could be a little warmer up there. Well, on his way, he uh, got pneumonia and little Joe died. So some of his friends, cowboys, went ahead and took his cattle up to Boise. You know, back then they didn't have any funeral parlors. So uh, a group of the cowboys began to prepare the body for burial. And that's when they discovered that little Joe was Johanna Monahan.
1: Wow. So you see, uh, the old,
3: yeah, and I, there's a couple of other stories about uh, (laughs) women who everybody thought was a man. But, you know, if you wanted to be a cowboy or something in the old west and you were a woman, that was about the only way you could do it is just to pretend like you were one. There's movies of,
0: like, I think there's
3: movies of that. (laughs)
0: You know what's what? There, there there. <laughs> it just makes us appreciate when you hear the stories of how hard things were and how tragic a lot of it was. Uh, it just makes you appreciate what we have today. It, it, uh, you, know, you know, even it really though we does. have all the problems that we do today and all that crap, you still I still yeah. take a shower every day,
3: <laughs> and I can eat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, when you talk when you talk about hard things, uh, there's a story about a guy who was kind of a horse thief. And, uh, there was a wagon going through, uh, with one family. They had four horses and, uh, no, just, you know, not a wagon train. And, uh, this, uh, horse thief during the night went out and stole these people's horses. And so here they are stranded, no horses, couldn't move. And the, the guy went by two or three days later and they were still sitting there. And Uh, the Guy says, I'll pay you if you'll go find who stole my horses. So he went and, uh, Stole the horses back, to the guy that he had sto- uh, sold them to, went back to the to the immigrant and sold them back to him. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway, he felt sorry for the immigrants to the and uh, anyway, basically got the horses back to him <laughs> after a little profit. Yeah, for a little profit, you know, <laughs> and, Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got to make a little a little money, you know. And I, actually, there's another guy. Uh, his name was Sophie Smith. <laughs> now, Sophie Smith got that name because uh, uh, he would take bars of soap and wrap them, and he'd have a little crowd around him, and he'd put 10 and 50 and $100 bills, supposedly, in the wrapper. Okay, and Then he would sell the soap for $5 a bar. Of course, what they didn't know is he didn't put any money in any of the bars except for one, which happened to be one of his partners, who uh, was in the crowd. And he'd say, oh, look, I got $100. And, of course, nobody else did. But anyway, that was one of his scams. But then he went up to Skagway, Alaska, and uh, there he continued his profession of dishonesty. And uh, he actually set up a telegraph office. And, you know, all these miners that were there wanted to send news home to their family. And so they had this telegraph office and uh, people lined up to, and they had one of those little telegraph keys that they'd click. And uh, there was a wire that went out from the telegraph shack out into the forest. But what the miners didn't realize is that that telegraph wire only went out about oh three or four hundred yards. So Sophie Smith got a little money on that deal too.
0: <laughs> he was telegraphing to nobody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Kinda like exactly. when we first yeah, it's kind
0: of like when we started shows, right? Uh, when we started our You're shows, right. we were talking to nobody. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well that's great. It, it, it's just uh, I want to tell everybody they can find it at doctor dash history dot com is the website doctor dash history dot com and tell everybody what radio show you're on and when that is.
3: Uh, I'm on twelve thirty a.m. in Burley, Idaho at ten oh six on Tuesday mornings. But there again, like I say, you can uh, uh, go to the internet to Zeb Bell, and uh, he's the guy that we're that I'm talking with. Right, he's a rodeo announcer and radio personality he sounds but, like a rodeo announcer. Uh, he has or, a his voice yeah oh oh yeah he was great but uh and on itunes if you just type in dr doctor, com or even podcast guild west i usually come up right in there and uh you're more than welcome to listen to stories i've got about 160 on there right now and add another one every week
0: well so. we We appreciate you you joining us, Dr. History, and you can find it on all your podcast players. Just search for Dr. History. That's how I found it. It came right up. We appreciate you being on and keep on telling the
3: stories. Okay. I appreciate it. I'm glad to know about your uh, site there, too. I've been looking at that as well.
0: All right. Great. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you.
1: Up next, my favorite segment of our show, it's the Tack and Habit segment, sponsored by Horselovers.com. And this week, we have a product that's reviewed by listener Laura Berry. She's going to tell us all about the Weaver Eva Sport Foam Woven Top Felt Bottom Pad. Why, Glenn, how do we keep getting these, these, names. these word salad <laughs> products? This better be a good one, because it took me like 20 minutes to get that name out. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you today? I'm great. You know, I don't ride Western, but looking at a picture of this saddle pad makes me want to go get a Western saddle. Tell us, do you obviously ride? Yes, really. Do you you ride Western? I assume I do. I do mostly pleasure riding and trail riding. So, were you excited when this you uh, had the opportunity to review this product?
2: Oh yes, I've been looking for a product like this for a while.
1: I had never had one in my price range, so to win one was very exciting. Wow. And it is pretty. So see, I I say it's pretty because I don't know what I'm looking at, but tell us uh, about the pad, what you liked about it, what could be improved and how you used it.
2: I'll tell you all about it here. Um, I'm actually in between horses right now, so I haven't actually used it on a horse. However, because I have done my research on these pads and I have used pads like them in the past, um, I can already tell you how it's going to perform on my horse. Um, It's got a wonderful thick pad. It's called the EVA Sport Foam Technology. So it's got that nice wool top of, you know, any patterns um, in the Navajo or Aztec patterns or whatever everyone calls them. And then underneath that is the Sport Foam. And that kind of helps get the moisture out of the pad easier and provides more airflow. Then it has that nice wool felt pad on the bottom. It's actually so nice. You can use this just by itself. You don't need to have another felt pad underneath it. But I think because it's so pretty, I would put one underneath it. That way I could make it last a little longer. But it seems to be well-made, well-constructed. It's got those leather side pieces so your saddle doesn't wear the the, um, the top pad down.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: but it looks really comfortable. It's definitely thick enough to have with a notepad underneath if you have a light rider and a smaller saddle.
1: And now which color did you get?
2: Gosh, they sent me one. It's mostly tan, but it has blue and red
1: accents. Mm, okay. Can you make that work? Like, I know that you guys like to match stuff up. I wish this <laughs> yeah. why the other reason well, why I wish I wrote Western. I could get all matchy-matchy.
2: Yeah. So my last horse's main color that I used for him was black. Um, so that would be all the color of everything I have. So it automatically matches everything.
1: That's pretty smart. It's a neutral. Okay.
2: And mm-hmm. what do you think
1: about the price point?
2: I think the price point is definitely comparable. If you were going to buy these pads separate, it
1: would run you a lot higher than that. So like, would you school in this kind of pad or would you save it just for showing, you know, how quickly would this thing wear down? Oh gosh, you could
2: definitely use this for showing. Uh, it looks like it would hold up um, because the colors are more neutral on it. Um, you're not going to get a lot of dirt that shows up on it. Um I'm going to use it mostly for just trail riding so I can look fancy prancing around
1: the desert. Yes, (laughs) ma'am.
0: Because everybody needs to look fancy prancing around the desert.
1: I love our listeners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is is New Zealand wool. uh, And, you know, weaver just makes stuff well.
1: Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Weaver products
0: are no-brainers. We've dealt with them for 25 years now, and they just know how to make stuff. You know, it's not a cheap pad, but as Western pads go, it's $143.19 as of today that we're recording this at horselovers.com. But, you know, some of these pads, I've seen at shows, go for like $300. They get crazy expensive. Wow. Yeah.
1: So this is a bargain.
0: That's right.
2: This is a bargain because you're getting the hand-woven look without actually
0: paying for the labor
2: on the hand-woven product.
0: Right. Correct. Good point. Very good good point. point. Well, we appreciate you doing this review. It comes in a couple of colors. It comes in sand and turquoise, and it has a pattern of which I don't know what I would call it. Um, But it's pretty. So go check it out for yourself. Just head on over to horselovers.com. Just search for Weaver Eva, E-V-A, Weaver Eva, E-V-A, and you'll find it. It'll pop up. Uh, And uh, we appreciate you doing the review. Before we let you go, Laura, you are an auditor. How long have you been an auditor for the Horse Radio Network?
2: I have been an auditor since July or August of 2000. Sorry, you're going to have to cut that. Okay. I have been an auditor since August or July of 2016.
0: Okay, so you've been an auditor for a little while, maybe almost a year here coming up. And what do you like best about being an auditor? If you were going to tell other people that have been listening for a long time but just been putting off, you know, giving a dollar, $5, $10 a month toward the Horse Radio Network and the host, what would you say? How would you sell it?
2: I love all the interaction between the hosts and all the auditors in our Facebook group. Um, I feel like I, I know you and I haven't even met you. And that we could all be friends and go horseback riding together. So
1: true. That's what I love about it. We could go horseback riding together. (laughs) We can go fancy, fancy in the desert.
0: I think the you know we didn't start when we started the auditors. It was a way for for you guys to to give support to the Horse Radio Network and the host because half the money that comes in every month gets divided amongst. Helena gets part of that money, and <laughs> I know she really appreciates it. Uh, I and, buy bits
1: with it, <laughs> and it goes up
0: every month because we get <laughs> more and more and auditors. Fliespring. Actually, you guys are giving Helena a raise every month. Because it goes up a little bit every month, um, so that's kind of nice. And we do that with our full-time hosts like uh, Jamie and Reese and Philip and Wendy uh, and Helena. They get they get uh, half of that money every month. And it, you know, I think for Helena, you could speak for yourself. But I think it just for you, it means a lot more than pro- probably probably what we pay you because it's coming directly from the listeners.
1: It's uh, you know what uh, they're. I love to, I love my little horse radio network check when it comes in because it's the work that I love to do the most. It's my favorite. So it feels good to be able to, um, really honestly to buy fly spray and, you know, an extra bale of hay here and there. It does help me support my horses, but I, it's just so meaningful to me. It's like a lot of movie stars and rock stars say, I can't believe I get paid to do what I love. Well, I don't get paid as much, but I get paid to do what I love. So it is very special.
0: Well, thank you for that, Laura. You're one of those. What I was going to say is the Facebook room wasn't even started when we did the Patreon of uh, the auditors in the first place. That kind of grew up. One of the auditors started the Facebook room, and now it's become the thing that everybody likes. It's kind of everybody's safe haven. They can talk about anything in there, and it's a happy, positive place. There's nothing negative in there. Would you agree with that? Totally. I would
2: definitely agree with
1: that. Yeah. It's like a family in there. It's yes. like, it's your family. It really yeah. Is. I was in there the other day ranting because my horse was being, he was behaving oddly. And I was like, Aah. I, <laughs> I was thought whining. he was rather
0: acting like his mom. So I, I that's <gasps> where I, what I attributed it to.
1: You're fresh. And see, therefore, <laughs> Glenn is like the big brother. That's right. If I had pigtails, <laughs> he'd be pulling them every day. That
2: page definitely is horses behaving oddly.
1: but that's what horses uh, do (laughs) yeah and and their owners whining about it (laughs) (laughs) i found my tribe
0: you know what i've been surprised at actually in the auditor room and, and with the auditors and you guys with each other more more than us being involved we're not involved with with a lot of the conversations that go on in there most of them um is the support system that's developed in there. But you guys also talk about life. And I get emails occasionally that says, I'm having this problem in life. It doesn't involve horses. Can I post it in there? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you got, we're a family. And that's what families do is support each other. And the fact that you all feel safe enough to do that is really impressive to the community that has, re- has evolved around the Horse Radio Network. And, and that's all because of you guys. It really is. So I'm thanking all the auditors uh, through you, Laura.
2: Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> we love you.
0: Well, if you want to become an auditor, just head on over to StableScoop.com or Horseradionetwork.com. There's a banner on there to become an auditor. Click on that. It'll take you to a, a website called Patreon, which is the one who processes everything for us. We wouldn't be able to process 250 small payments ourselves. It would, it just wouldn't be possible. So they do that. You can do anywhere from a dollar to $25 a month. And we have a lot of people that do $25 a month. There's different rewards along the way for mugs and hats and things like that but that's not why the auditors do it they do it to support the network and be part of this awesome family so we hope that you become one too thank you laura thank you have a great day all right bye-bye
1: well i'm glad that i don't ride western because then this would be just one more thing for me to buy you know the (laughs) english
0: riders can think that their stuff is expensive when you get to the better uh, you know higher quality western stuff it gets really up there yeah, it really does. I mean, a custom cowboy hat will cost you thousands of dollars.
1: I it's crazy. It's yep. but it's your signature thing. I mean, yep. you have you know what it's like. You wear your hat, and people know. And mine it was twenty five dollars. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. See, there's there's something for every budget. That's right. <laughs> there's something for every budget. Um, so speaking of every budget. I hope that our listeners will think about adding Newport, Rhode Island to their travel itinerary in the coming year. There is something for every budget. It's a great place to visit. And if you have never been here, hit me up. You can find me at... Helena at sparkleandboom.com. We can give you the inside scoop on where to go and what to see in Newport. And uh, if you don't want to send me an email, then log on to our show website and you can listen to our podcast. Buck and I go out and about in Newport every week and we we do a dine and dish segment. We talk about relationships. We talk about kids and we talk about horses too. That's thatnewportshow.com
0: you do another one, too, about boats. And I saw a lot of boats this weekend. I thought about it. We
1: have, we have a spinoff. Yes, we just started it. It's once a month. The show is called Around the Buoy, aroundthebuoy.com. My co-host is Carter Richardson. He's a former Navy officer who is now a boatwright, which means he builds and repairs beautiful wooden boats. These are works of art that float on the water. And um, if you think about those big old classic sailing yachts that JFK and Jackie Kennedy used to, uh, sail around on in Newport. Those are the kinds of boats that Carter builds and restores. So we do, um, we talk about boating, sailing, paddle boarding, pretty much anything that has to do with life on the water. It's kind of cool.
0: We saw a lot of those boats in, in the various ports in the, in the Caribbean. I love yeah. the old wooden sailing boats and a couple of them we actually saw out at sea too we passed a couple of them uh, they
1: have um if you ever have the opportunity to go see what they call a bucket regatta so the old america's cup race right the big the big it would be like our world equestrian games right that's the the in the boating world you would have like the america's cup race and but they those are these...
0: nothing like <laughs> the old wooden boats are they they're the fancy... they are the Oh, the
1: big old wooden boats. Yeah. Oh, okay. They don't race those anymore. Now they're, um, double or tri hold yeah, catamarans, super
0: sophisticated, uh, high yeah.
1: tech. So the, what they did was the old, I think they're for, I may be wrong. So there could be boaties out there who can correct me, but I think the big, the old America's cup, um, sailing boats, they were 12 meters long and larger or larger. Yeah, and they're uh, J-Class, I think they're called. And a bunch of people who own these these boats get together, and they race them every year, and they're called regattas. And they do one down in St. Bart's. They do one here in Newport. It's called the Candy Store Cup. It is so freaking cool. These things, the J-Class boats are like um, uh, uh, great big Dutch warm bloods in, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I don't know, a big, an upper level dressage competition. Like what's upper level Grand Prix, Grand Prix dressage horse, J class sailing boat, sailboat. Yeah.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> Clearly I know nothing about boats. <laughs> That's <laughs> why you're hosting the horses. boat
0: podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dressage horses. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. So it's, it's kind of fun for me to get to learn a little bit about something. Carter said he's going to take me out sailing. Oh Yeah. Um, and we'll see how that goes. The last time I went out ocean sailing was down in Antigua, and I got seasick. So we'll see what happens. I, I have gone sailing here in Newport Harbor, which and Narragansett Bay, which is very, very smooth. Like there are, there's no chop. It's like a beautiful place to sail. So we'll we'll see. It's well, funny because he's like the first time I was on a horse, or he said the last time he was on a horse. He got bucked off and hit the ground, and I was like, well, the last time I was on a sailboat, I got seasick. So. <laughs> you might want to consider
0: that little behind-the-ear patch before you go out.
1: You know what I did? I got the C-bands, you know, the ones, yeah. the acupressure bands? They're awesome. Do they work? Yeah, they do. Yeah.
0: We saw a lot I've of used... people on the cruise with the little patch behind the ear, uh, oh. which is like the oh. Dramamine, only it comes in through the patch. You don't
1: have to Well, you those. know, d- does it make you drowsy?
0: No. Well, they were walking around, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> As opposed to being dragged? As opposed to
0: being laying on the floor in the middle of the hallway. Uh,
1: the, the, sometimes the the, the anti seasick pills that they give you, whether it's Dramamine or something else, will knock you on your butt. And you'll stay there for like three days. I'm not it's sure the it,
0: patches have the same, because it puts it out in such small doses all the time. Okay. And you you I think you leave the same patch on for like the whole cruise. There were a lot of people with them, but apparently they are not cheap. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Of- yeah, uh-huh. I didn't, we didn't have a problem at all because a cruise ship that big, you don't even know you're on the water.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, on cruise. Uh, yeah, okay.
0: you just—I mean—they're—they're they're made to stabilize, so you know. We, and we didn't have any rough weather at all, so we didn't really have any seas to speak of. But yeah. a sailboat, I think anybody's going to get sick if the if it's choppy.
1: <laughs> well, we were. Yeah, we were in a racing sailboat outside of. We were in the Atlantic Ocean. We weren't even on the Caribbean side. We were on the Atlantic side, and there was some chop. And I was like, "Holy crap! This is this is like a being." It was like being on a roller coaster and you keep dipping you yes. know it's not like the, the one you so my stomach kept flipping over and i was like all right hold on a minute here i gotta get myself right that's what but they you- have
0: the side of boats for is to puke over <laughs>
1: yeah i did i puked over the back of the boat i went behind the captain i'm like get out of my way yep,
0: he's seen that before <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did he was like just go and do he said it was like do it downwind or he's like do it to the, to the lee side i'm like What's the lee side. He's like, the direction the wind is blowing. Oh,
0: yeah, that'd be bad. He didn't want to mess up his boat. It's funny. That's funny. It's the same with, uh, we, I've flown in small airplanes. Am I, friend bob used to have or used to still does have his uh, pilot's license and we used to he was one of our boarders, so he'd take me up all the time and we used to take some of the boarders, some of the kids the teenagers up and some could handle it and some could not mm-hmm. <laughs> in a small plane it's a different experience it really is yeah all right well thank you everybody you can find that newport show what's the name of your network again
1: the Sparkle and Boom Podcast Network.
0: Okay. Sparkle and Boom Podcast Network. And uh, we want to remind you that if you're a new listener to the show, <clears throat> or if you're a fan of Heartland, we haven't talked since then, we've had our most downloaded <laughs> episode in history uh, a couple Fridays ago. Uh, it was where we had Amber Marshall, who is the star of Heartland, on. and yep. we, it's, Gracie loves that show. Oh, my God. It was the most downloaded. They advertised it everywhere. And it's tens and tens of thousands of downloads on that one oh, episode. Geez. It was just went crazy. So if you missed that, go back to Horses in the Morning and search. You just go back about two weeks. Uh, you'll find it was on a Friday. You'll find the Heartland episode with Amber Marshall. She was a terrific interview, by the way, an absolutely lovely person. She said we we were supposed to have 15 minutes. She stayed a half an hour. We just had a blast. She had a blast talking about horses and stuff. And she's truly a horse girl, and she lives on a ranch, and she's just lovely. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, she's the star of that show Heartland. Go back and and take a listen to it. It obviously is popular. So Grace watches it. Loves it. Yeah. Loves,
1: loves, loves it. She's like, Mom, it's so cheesy, but I love it. Yeah,
0: that's what everybody says. They get sucked in by it. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, Jennifer and I tried it. We just, you got to apparently get through like the first, you got to go back to the beginning, get through like the first four episodes. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And it, they're in their 11th year. It's the longest running drama in Canadian television history.
1: Wow. And it's
0: about horses. <laughs> so there you go. The
1: Canadians, uh, man, they're doing everything right these days.
0: So we were able to get the star on, which thanks to Denise, our guest booker. Good job, Denise. And it, it was a fun interview. I, I enjoyed it immensely. And apparently a lot of other people did too. So Grace should go back and listen to that one. I think she'd like it. Because okay. she'd get to hear the real life of uh, of uh, Amber Marshall, the, the star of the show. Cool. That's it. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thank you, everybody. There will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.